Welcome in to the Sports Objective. A uh, big night for a Pirate Baseball. We'll talk second half of the hour, uh, second half of the show. Uh, in our second half hour, we'll be talking to Chris Edwards, play-by-play voice of the Duke Blue Devils. Pirates putting on them tonight, six to one. Great pitching tonight for Cam Colmore in relief and C.J. Mayhew. We'll be talking about this sec. But now, we'll talk to former ECU head basketball coach Mike Steele. Maybe we can, coach, can we have some support group kind of thing tonight? Can you help us because? I thought we were going to have a game to talk about Saturday night, and then I just found out this morning we're not going to have the game. No, I talked to Duels, uh well, about an hour ago, and he, uh, you know, I don't know how, you know, coaching is a tough gig anyway, but I don't know how every time it seems like, because I think this year we had a chance to have a, a team that could have finished in the middle of the pack in the, in the conference. I mean, I think that we had a, a good enough team. Uh, I mean, if we're good enough to beat – Houston, you know, at home, if we're good enough to be Houston, we can certainly play with everybody else because the conference is not is not great this year. I mean, Memphis isn't as good as they've been, and Cincinnati's not very good. This would have been a good year for us to make a big jump, and it's just a shame that we just haven't had guys, you know, we haven't had, you know, as you and I talked for a second, you know, a second there, Duel said it's been almost three weeks since they've been able to play five on five. They got managers playing, they got all these walk-ons it's i don't know how you know it's it's tough yeah how many Coach, games do we have a chance how many games do we you know with, with the tulsa game being canceled how many games do we have a chance to get in before the conference tournament theoretically two i right? yeah and that's if we play a week from saturday i mean and that's assuming that we're going to be healthy and assuming that central florida will be healthy uh so that would be two What's, and I don't know offhand what our record is now. Kyle, do you know? Uh, no. It's, Dave. <laughs> I, I know we're um, – hold, hold on, I'll get it to you in a second. Hold somebody wake Bob up and find out what the record is. <laughs> we're 8-8, eight eight, eight eight. you put a gun to my head, I'd say 11-8. 8-8, um, eight eight. we're 500. We're 500, eight eight. Coach. Okay, I, I thought we were – I'm giving us no. credit for three wins we don't have. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I knew seven and four wasn't right. So that that's actually the home record we have. So I double checked is eight and eight. And we started out, coach, as you know, we, we were talking about the non conference schedule booming seven and one. We have the Christmas break. We come back and it's this since the beginning of the year, it's been one thing after the other. I feel really bad. I was gonna ask you this being a former coach. Um, how tough is it? I mean, just the fact that we are able to play ball games with COVID is a big deal, but I mean, this is the breakout year, I really believe, for Dooley. And I know it's got to be frustrating for the coaching staff, for the players, how bad they want to play. But yet they were, I mean, they took care of business with a non-conference schedule. And they're doing better with the conference schedule now, with getting some wins now. And I just really feel bad for them. Oh, no, I think they're all real frustrated. And in fact, Duels, it was funny today, he said that, you know, he was kind of dragging because, you know, he had, he, you know, he was sick and. He was kind of dragging going into practice because they knew the game a game had been canceled. And he said, the guys were at practice today. They were going after it. Said it was they were four and four and guys were competing. And you know, I think he's, you know, he Joe's got his guys in and you know, his guys work hard. I've seen some practices. They work, they bust it. Uh, you know, we're headed in the right direction. This is uh unfortunately. You know, this year would have been a year I think we would have jumped into the middle of the pack. And then you keep building on it. And, you know, like right now, Cincinnati, 
Cincinnati's as bad as they've been in probably 30 years. I mean, and it's not easy to jump back and all of a sudden be good again. And so there was an opening there. And, you know, Wichita State has has bounced back better than I thought they would. Once they lost, uh, you know, once they they got rid of their coach, I thought they would really struggle this year. But they've, uh, to their credit, they're pretty good. If if in the tournament, if Wichita State gets to the final game, I think they have a chance to get in that large. Coach, at this point, do, do you know with the with the risk of traveling and in these last two games, do, do you do you think Coach Dooley wants to play him, or do you think he just wants to make sure everybody's healthy for the conference tournament? Oh, you know, I, I think that's a, a a tough deal. I, you know, there's no guarantee that they'll be healthy even if we don't play the games. True enough. You know, all they got to do is go in the wrong uh, classroom or go in the wrong. You know, just there's no guarantee. So as competitive as Joe is, I'm, I'm sure he wants to play the games, but on the other hand, I think that he knows that it would be really nice for, for the team and for the coaches and for all of us fans, it would really be nice to go on a nice run and win one or two games in the, uh, in the tournament. Coach, we have uh, folks, if you're watching now or listening, you can actually put your, comments uh, there and then we'll put them up on the screen and this is for you coach uh, chuck is asking are the basketball players following covid protocol oh I, I i think that i'm sure they're they're supposed to and i'm sure that they're checking on them but again you know like one of one of the guys that i work with he he was as protective as anybody i've ever seen in this and he just got it last week so, I mean, there's really no uh, guarantee. I mean, I think that uh, uh, you, it, when you're dealing with guys the age of these guys, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can only do so much. Yeah, let's be real. I mean, we, we've been dealing with this mess for a year. People have social lives. People have girlfriends. I mean, and you may be doing what you're supposed to do, but is your girlfriend doing what she's supposed to do? And no, is, or is your girlfriend's sister doing what she's supposed exactly, to do? Or, you exactly. Know, it's, a, and, it's a bad and what domino. Are you, and what are you doing with your girlfriend's sister? Wait, 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 I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, I lost you there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk basketball with, uh, as a former coach, as someone who's uh, been a coach and at East Carolina, and you see the the winning now, and you see that Joe's doing an excellent job. I think he is. Uh, you're the expert, not me, with the recruiting, and all those guys have been working hard. Um, I feel like even though that we have the tough year, you feel like next year uh, we won't have to worry about COVID, especially when we get into basketball season of later this year in November. Um, and next year uh, we can see even bigger things. That's, I mean, I guess that's what we have to sell right now is hope, right? Oh, without question. And I think that, uh, I mean, as guys keep working, uh, I think, in my opinion, I would really like to see us get a really good point guard. You know, everybody talks about getting big guys, whatever. I'd like to see us get a point guard who's, you know, a coach on the floor that gets guys in the right spots, that can handle the ball against pressure, can make free throws down the stretch. Uh you know, and, and you got to hope our perimeter guys keep getting better uh, shooting the basketball because, I mean, let's face it, when we beat Houston, we're like 10 for 16 or whatever from the three-point line, and then we play, I thought, equally hard against SMU, and 
and Memphis, and we're three for 25. Yeah. I mean, we played good enough to beat both of those teams if we're shooting 30, 35% from the uh, three-point line. Yeah, what do you do about that? I mean, we, we you know, you mentioned Houston red hot at three, and, and then I guess Memphis and SMU couldn't hit a three if our life depended on it. I mean, what do you do to just just make yourself average on a consistent basis from three? No, you know, it's interesting that it seems like every other team, and you think about it, when you watch some of the teams, like when somebody, everybody's got somebody on the team that when they have a wide open shot, you know they're going to make it. I mean, you just know they're going to make it when they don't make it. Like when a J.J. Redick would miss a shot, it'd be like, oh, my gosh, you know, did the rim move or what happened? But everybody's got somebody that when they're open, it's they're going to make it, or you think they are. And we just don't have that guy. I mean, we have guys that can make two or three in a row, but then they might miss five in a row. I mean, wide open. And so I think we got to continue to – They, I know how hard they work at that, but I think we've got to continue to find – like a perimeter guy that can really, really shoot. And coach, that's what's so frustrating is the very fact that as Kyle and, and Bubba and I've talked about is the very fact last year, there were so many games that were so close. If you make two or three, three pointers, you win the game. Uh, this year we had some like that again. And that's, what's frustrating is you see guys that if you feel like now you have talent to compete in the American where before we were lucky just to be on the court with uh some of the teams i'm just being yeah. honest uh, i know that you're you're an honest person you tell it like it is i love that and but now you feel like you finally have the the athleticism the physicality you have the the length you have guys that are very athletic and then uh, guys that you feel like they can shoot and then when the spotlight's on i don't know there's times when they're so streaky that they look like one of the best teams in the country and then the next game they look like they've never touched a basketball well you know last night i watched uh I think it's interesting. You know, I watched the Duke game last night, and if you just watched that one game, you would say that you would think Duke might win the national championship because they shot 70% from the three-point. I mean, they made every single three-point shot. When do you think the last time that Duke, in the first half, Duke shot one free throw at home? I mean, usually – They've shot 10 free throws before the other team finishes their warm-ups. They've shot, I mean, it, it, it's brutal. And But they never took a shot inside inside the three. Now, you you if you take that and you let them shoot 35%, the, you know, they're going to lose those games. But, man, were they good last night shooting the basketball. It comes down to one, that was a nice segue, Coach, because the very fact that a lot of these teams – have one and done players. A lot of these teams are relying on freshman players. They're really struggling this year because those guys didn't really get a non-conference. And then it's almost like the spotlight of having the conference play. And they're, I don't know. It just seems like they're not ready for, you know, prime time. And it's taken most of the conference season before they can really get the legs under them. With all that. And I think the other thing is that, you know, because of COVID people haven't been able to recruit, bring people on campus. And because of the FBI, the shoe companies are not paying kids, paying AAU guys and paying parents to send kids to Kansas and Kentucky and Duke and, you know, all the big time schools. And they've been doing it forever. And this is two years in a row where they haven't done that. And it it makes a big difference. You know, if you would have thought that Kentucky, Michigan State, two weeks ago, Duke, 
Carolina were not even going to be in the NCAA tournament, you, the odds on that in Vegas would have been astronomical. And, right. you know, and they're not getting the, the same, at least the last two years, they're not getting the same guys. That's a good point. I didn't thought about when it. The, so when the money stops, when the money stops coming in, guys go <laughs> other places. Pretty simple. All right, we're going we're to put you on the spot, Coach, here. Uh, Chuck has another question. Who's better, Coach, Blue or Jaden Gardner? Uh, I love Jaden Gardner, but there's no comparison. Not, zero comparison. Blue Edwards, the thing about Blue, Blue could do everything, and he was – you know, he averaged 27, but he could handle the ball. He could pass it. He could do everything. And Jaden, like I said, he – I love how hard he plays, but he's really limited when he gets out there on the perimeter. I mean, passing, handling the basketball, feeding the post, making good decisions. He, that's not his game. His game is – in the last couple of games, he got back to his game, which was being in the post, getting fouled, you know, playing as hard as you can possibly play because he does. I mean, he does, but you let him get it outside 15 feet and a lot of, usually something not so good happens. And coach, how does, how does Jaden improve his game to go to the next level? I, I feel like he's a bubble player where he has a chance to, to make it the next level for NBA. But you're, I'm not the expert you are. What is it going to take for him to go to the next level for the NBA? I. I think Jaden really needs to concentrate on East Carolina and be the best college player he can be. I think that he needs to be the best, absolute best college player. And he would go down in, in East Carolina. He'll be the probably the leading scorer, the rebounder. Uh, but that's what he needs to focus on. Let's move uh shift to gears. Uh, talk about different teams around the country because uh, it would be nice for our team. I would love. I thought when we were going to have you on, we would have a have games to premiere or talk about. But unfortunately, no that's game. not the case. <laughs> no yeah. Game. Think about how frustrating to be right now for a Pirate fan. Had we beaten Memphis and SMU, and then turn around and not been able to play. I mean, uh, after that Houston win, as close as those SMU and uh, Memphis games were, the threes were falling, and then we had to go. You know, nineteen days or you know, I don't know how many days before you end up playing a game. Power fans would be pulling the hair out. No, and you know, Kyle, if 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 we would have we played good enough, I think the encouraging thing is, you know, two years ago, if we played Memphis or SMU, they were just so much bigger and stronger and more athletic, and we weren't going to beat those guys. And this, after we beat Houston, I thought we'd probably have a pretty big letdown going to SMU and going, you know, playing SMU, and the, but going to Memphis, and we were right in the games. And and you know, if we if we make if we make forty percent of our threes, I think we win both those games. Yeah, no doubt. So that's it. I mean, yeah. that's that's really encouraging. And and I'm telling you, Duels and his staff, you, they work. It's just incredible. You know, he. He'll ask me all the time, you want to come to practice? I'm going, if it's raining, I'll be there. If it's not, I'm I'm on the golf course, pal. You know, I, I can't help you. I can't help you. But they work so hard. I mean, Duels, Duels has like one one habit, and that's recruiting. That's 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 it. That's it. That's his habit, recruiting. 
Dave was about, well, about six years. And it, well, we got a comment first. Yeah, this is from Johnny Gardner, one of our loyal listeners and viewers. Going back to Coach's time, can he speak about what it was like coaching Blue when he knew they had the opportunity for the NBA? And also, uh, how good would Gus Hill been if he hadn't had the injury that today players are able to bounce back from a lot easier than those days? I don't think our fans realize how athletic he was before the injury. You know, my first year here, Gus was our best player. And Gus averaged 20 points, and he played on one leg. He literally played on one leg. Now, sometimes he played on no legs on defense, but he played with one <laughs> leg on offense. Uh, and, you know, the, the thing that people forget about Blue Edwards, when I got here, Blue got suspended with four or five other guys for some off-the-court stuff. And so the other guys didn't get back to school. Blue had guys step up for him and help him. And so I coached Blue for one year where he didn't he didn't play. And he'll oh. be the first one to tell you that that probably was the turning point for him the year he didn't play because he was on our second group. I mean – We'd play pickup games after because, you know, obviously I was much younger then, but we'd play the coaches against Blue and two managers. And if we beat them, I'd call him at midnight and say, you know, if I got my ass beat like you did today against a bunch of old guys, I'd be shout, I'd be out practicing. I'd be shooting. And, I mean, I would do things like that to Blue almost every day. And he, uh, he didn't have any idea how good. I mean, I – I played with numerous guys that played in the uh, in the league, and Blue was better than all of them. He was better than all of them, and that's why he played in the NBA for 10 years. But he didn't have any concept of how – and I'll tell you, Dave, like the first game I coached Blue, you know, I'm coming from the Midwest, and he's a North Carolina boy. And we're playing, and he's – you know, the Carolina guys put their fist up when they want to get a blow – so he puts his fist up, and one of my assistants says, Blue needs a blow. And I said, well, he ain't getting a blow. You know, we're not doing that. And so we have a timeout, and Blue goes, Coach, he said, did you, I, I, was, I was dying out there. Did you see? I said, no, I saw you running around with your fist up. You, you look pretty stupid. You're making both of us look pretty foolish. Put your fist down. And Blue, you're not coming out of the game. He goes, Coach, I was dying. I said, I promise you, if you die, It'll be the lead-in story on ESPN, and we'll put a little plaque right here where you fall. But you ain't coming out of the game now. <laughs> no. I used to look down and say, Blue needs a blush. Okay, who would you like to put in? Go ahead, look down the, the bench there and pick somebody out that you want to take Blue Edwards out. Oh, yeah. He was a great player. Yeah, special player. Would, would you say uh, he's got to be the best player we've ever had at East Carolina? I mean, isn't that fair to say that? Oh, I don't think there's any question. I mean, uh, and I know we've had some good ones and, you know, but nobody that played in the, in the NBA for 10 years. You know I mean, that's just, you know, it, it just shows how good he was. And he played, you know, probably six of those years with Utah. And, and if he hadn't broke, he broke like his thumb in a pickup game when he was getting ready to sign a three-year contract with uh, Vancouver for $12 million and he broke oh, his man. thumb and ended up not playing again. You know, he never, he, he, he went to Europe, maybe he played a year or two, but 
yeah, it was uh, uh, it was really a, a sad deal, but he was that good. One question, you've been on the recruiting trail, and uh, one thing that I know Jeff Charles and Joe Dooley talked about last night is the, the town of Kinston, something that Kyle Barber talks about all the time, but they brought that up. How many great players, and you're a, a student of the game, you're a guy that knows more about basketball than we'll ever know. Why can't we get more players from Kinston right in our backyard? Uh, the problem we have with Kinston is that they're too good. The ones that we want are, have been too good. I saw Jerry Stackhouse play in eighth grade, and I told my guys, we don't need to send him any letters. He, you know, he's not. He's going to Carolina. He's, he, he's going to Carolina. I saw him playing a pickup game with three-on-three three <clears throat> over at the old Gulf gym. They won. They're all playing against college guys, and he's in eighth grade. He was by far the best player. And, wow. you know, when you – the prop, one of the tough things in East Carolina is that we're, it's ACC country. And when, when you grow up and Carolina and Duke and, you know, Wake at their time – uh, NC State at their time, it's just a, uh, it's just a tough, tough deal, and we had great relationship with our coaches there. It's just a, it's tough to get guys. It's and it's no different. I guess the difference is like if you're in Ohio, and you're a great player, if you you're either going to Ohio State, but if you want to stay in state, you're going to Cincinnati. And if you're in Tennessee and you're a great player, you're going to Tennessee. But then you're, you're going to Memphis. Memphis. Yep. And the, the, the challenge we have here is if you're a great player, you've got all those ACC teams, and then you cross over to South Carolina, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. I mean, it's, a, uh, it's, it, it's easy to see who the really good players are, but it's tough to get, get them away from that ACC. The, the, the thing that irritates me about Kempston, you know, it's obviously you, you want the star players, but then you look and you got a kid right now at Temple. Um, they're they're one of their best players. He's a freshman or a sophomore it's from Kinston. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at that kid. I'm terrible with names, coach. It's one of my biggest problems. Uh, back around 2010, 2011, the kid that played at Winthrop uh, that was from Kinston uh, who had yeah. a cup of coffee in the NBA. I mean, th that's the kids that really just – irks my nerves that we don't get somehow or we miss on or whatever. No, you know, uh, when I was, uh, when I was at DePaul, uh, division three school, we had some really, really good teams. And what I focused on was trying to get the second or third or fourth best player on teams that were really good teams that were winning state championships. Yeah. And, and you're right. Sometimes those guys, slip through the cracks and by the time they're juniors juniors and seniors they're they're really good because they grew up knowing how hard you have to play and how and and work to be a to be a good player yeah and that happens sometimes coach we have another chuck is chiming in again he's got another old school question for you so we can put that up there he said i remember those days back in the caa you had uncw had ron some dave navy had david robinson richmond had Johnny Newman and ECU had blue. No, those were, uh, they were some great players. The Rossum was gone. You know, he, I didn't coach against him, but not only did we have some great players, but, but you know, 
Dick Tarrant was at Richmond and Dick Tarrant had great success. He was a great coach. And the, uh, and Lefter Giselle was at James Madison. Nice. I mean, those, and Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes was at, uh, uh, George Mason. I mean, oh, yeah. and I've got a, I've got a good story for you on Rick Barnes, Rick Barnes. I, he and I became really good friends and he goes from George Mason to Providence and the year he goes, the, the year before in the final game was Georgetown against Villanova. So Raleigh Massimino, the, the first meeting they have, he goes to Raleigh Massimino and he says, you know, I'm a new coach. I'm a young guy. Can you give me some advice? And Raleigh says, yeah, I'll give you some great advice. Take your most trusted assistant coach, the guy that you would trust with your children, and put him in charge of the snow cone machine at camp. Because you you charge a dollar and you only have eight cents in the in in the in the product. Don't sell Pepsi's, Cokes, anything else. Nothing but snow cones. He said, "You'll make more in those six weeks of camp than you made at George Mason last year." Yeah, and, that's, <laughs> and and then we went we went on vacation together, and he takes me in his room and he's got a he's got a suitcase full of five dollar bills, and he said, "I'm buying everything." He said, "My." You know, my bankers, if you put it in the bank, I got to pay on it. He'll probably end up getting busted. I guess it's been long enough now. It's okay. But no, he, he had all these five, $5 bills because of the snow cone. That was the advice Riley gave him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's, that's great. That's why we love doing the show, Coach. Hey, what, um, did, you think, what did you think about Behind? His comments and then Jay Billis's comments on the kid. What you got? What you guys think? I thought with, I mean, the situation is such that I think the kid is being honest. I think that he's not, he's not healthy. I think you have a situation where like we're talking about East Carolina. Um, people could use it, look at it as I see where people are looking at it like, well, we're not going to make the tournament, so I'm just going to opt out. But on the flip side of that. If the kid's down 100% and they think he's a lottery pick, uh, if he's playing on an injured uh, foot, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Coach? I mean, I, I don't, I've been debating it back and forth, but um, I, I, don't think, I don't think that maybe they – I guess Duke could have done a better job of selling it as um, – in other words, that it really is that he's not healthy and that he's not going to get better playing. I don't know. Well, think? if you if you look, do a little research, put Bub in charge. He, <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, his four years in high school, he didn't go. He didn't start high school in one at, at one school and in there the same year. Never did. So he, he went someplace else during the year. AU the same oh. thing. No, he he's a guy that every time he's had a chance to think to to move, he's he he moves, and. He may end up being a lottery pick, but I'll be stunned if he is. And Behind, he made that point because he he for sure knew that this Duke team is better without him than they were with him. Because and they've won four straight, coach. And they were zero and five. Yeah, they were they're undefeated without him, and they they were on a five game losing streak with him. Wow. He didn't fit, and sometimes guys just don't fit. But. I think Beheim was being honest, and I think Jay Billis jumped in for the kid, but probably didn't do as much research because that kid's not done moving. You watch. Yeah. 
he'll he may play a lot of places, but one of them I don't think is going to be in the NBA. I love it. I love it, Coach. Uh, Bubba wants to ask you about coaching Steve Holler, who was in Hoosiers. Steve Holler was in Hoosiers, and he ended up being a great dentist because he wasn't a very good basketball player. But he was a, he became a great he became a great dentist. No, you know what? Here's how stupid the NCAA is. I had three guys: Griff Mills, who was one of my assistants. I had three kids that were in Hoosiers. And Hollers had a nice role. The other two guys were on the bench because of basketball was involved. Now, they are a Division three school paying their own way to school. No scholarship. The NCAA suspended them for five games because they had a job that was involved in a basketball. Wow. So the NBA, the NCAA didn't just become stupid overnight. They were stupid 25 years ago. They've yeah, been, that's real stupid. No, I... Oh, it just, I could not get anybody's attention to say they're not on scholarship. They're paying at that time $30,000 a year to come to school to have me scream at them. So this is not a great gig for them. Yeah. Crazy. But Coach, talk about, <laughs> good tennis star. <laughs> I, I need one. Um, Coach, talk about the your league, man, the Big Ten looking really, really good this year. How do you feel about it? Who's that? The Big Ten? Oh, the Big Ten. You know what? I, I uh, was supposed to go see them play Michigan State last week, and uh, we got snowed out, so we couldn't get in. But, you know, they don't have any seniors. Matt Painter's a great coach. He really is a good, really good coach. But they have no seniors. they got three freshman starters. And this was supposed to be a big rebuilding year, and they've got a lot of people having them being in the brackets a five or six seed. But they – They've got a 7-4 kid from Canada who has only played for one semester. He, he was a hockey player and a soccer player. And if you watch him play, you won't miss him because he's 7-4. He's, he's really skilled, but he goes right into the post every time like guys that are 30 years old in the YMCA, you know, they just go down and root into the low post and they jump into you and stuff. But I, I called Painter and I said, well, you guys have done a great job teaching this. He said, no, Mike, we, we haven't done anything. He said he didn't play any AAU, so he doesn't know he's supposed to stop and shoot threes, even though he's seven foot four. He just goes right where his one coach told him to go. And it's right on the block. And he has a chance to really be good. I mean, really be good. So, no, they've been fun. They're they're fun to watch. And and Matt, he's got a good staff. They're all – it's yeah, we, I stay in touch with those guys. And they're uh, – they got a nice team, really nice team. Coach, as we sit here on, what is it, February 23rd? I don't even know the date. Uh, yes. Who uh, – who, uh, who would you uh, – would you project to be your final four as of today? Oh, my – you know – that's hard to do when you know Kentucky and Duke and Carolina are all going to be in there. Now we don't even know if they're going to be in the tournament. So, oh, my gosh. Well, for me watching the games, Gonzaga appears to be by far the best team in the country. And Baylor, you know, Baylor, it's amazing. Like, Baylor's undefeated, but, boy, they've, uh, they they've missed a lot of games. 
they're not playing games with only seven or eight guys. They're just saying, we're not going to play. We're not going to play unless we're healthy because we know no. we're going to be a number one seed. We're not going to take, we're not going to get beat two or three times because we're not healthy. But I'd say Gonzaga for sure. And then the Big Ten is going to have, they're going to have one or two teams up there. I mean, Michigan's really, really good. Illinois is really talented. And then the Big 12. Ohio I mean, State. Ohio State had some guys hurt early. Purdue beat Ohio State twice, which has really helped move us up. But they're they're healthy now. And, you know, I think the other thing that when you talk about these teams that are normally really good, it has really hurt the Kansases, the, the Dukes, the places where there's normally sold out and the atmosphere is crazy and that home court advantage, you know, Ramey Steins, Ramey will argue with me on this, but I said, this would be the year to be a referee. You know, nobody's yelling at you. Fans aren't screaming at you. And the coaches can only yell so much because everybody can hear them. I said, it's just like doing a scrimmage game. They should, they should be paying. They should go to two officials and pay them half price. That's what I tell Ramey. Pay them half as much. But oh my god! But you, and you know, if you look in the box score, well, if you look in the box score, Duke shoots twelve free throws. Their opponents shoot twelve. I mean, almost every Kansas is shooting less free throws at home than their opponents. That never would happen if there were seventeen thousand people there. Never happened. Coach, we have another comment from Johnny Gardner. Uh, he. Thoughts about you growing up and watching Rick Mount sing Larry Bird as a high school player? You know, first of all, I'm not that damn old. Uh, <laughs> but Rick, Rick Mount, Rick Mount, I got to Purdue the year, two years after Rick had, had graduated. And uh, Rick had to go down as one of the greatest shooters of all time. They've got a video a video clip of him. He scored 62 points against Iowa on the road. And there was no three point. Oh, there was no three point line. And so they, they've got the video and they put the three point line in and he would have had 72 or 73. Wow. And, <laughs> oh my God. And Larry bird, I was coaching. It was my first coaching job at, uh, at Butler. I was assistant coach and this was 19, 79 it was 79 when bird and magic went to the final magic and we played them and i did the scout and you know i go watch him and you know he's he's slow he's you know he can shoot he's tough but man he was the best passer i mean i came back i just couldn't believe the passes and so when we played him we start off in a box and one and the first time larry doesn't get it next time he doesn't get it and I'm kind of thinking, hey, you know, we're going to be all right. The third time he goes through, and on Joe Maloney, I'll never forget it, Joe Maloney cold cocks him. He takes a cheap shot and decks him. At half oh, my God. We had, at halftime, we had 26, and Larry had 28. It's like, <laughs> you know, no, he, he was so good. And you watch the videos of him. Yeah. He was just an incredible player. And, you know, I, I played with Jerry Seastein, who played with him for four years. He, he was at Purdue, and he and I played together for two years. But then he played on f three or four championship teams with Bird. And he said that Bird, about once every 10 days, would come into practice and say, 
I'm bored with you guys. I, I'm going to play left-handed today. And he would just play left-handed, shoot every shot left-handed. And he said, Steele, oh, after about 20 minutes, you just would think he was left-handed. He'd shoot threes oh, left-handed. He said it was incredible. And most people don't know that. But you, when you think about him, some of the passes that you remember him making, he, a lot of them were, were with his left hand. He was completely ambidextrous. He was amphibious. Kind of like that NC State guy. Charles <laughs> sure, sure, Shackford, God rest his soul. Yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> Speaking man. of Kinston, Kyle, you, you're Kyle, the, Kyle from Kinston. Um, well, no, Kinston no guy. I'm not from Kinston, but <laughs> live near I'm, there, I'm not joking. from there. Yeah, you do. Green County guy. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on tonight, and uh, we appreciate you. You're always fun, and I hope you'll come back with. I mean, uh, next time maybe I can we can talk some ECU basketball with you. That would that would be nice. No, and you know, I think like the last football game, I told uh, I told Coach Houston, I sent him a text. I said, when we beat SMU, I said that was the best half of football that I've seen us play since Coach. Coach Holtz was here. And then I said, no, you know, that was the best half of football I've ever seen East Carolina play. And wow. so that that should – I mean, we, we should have scored two more touchdowns. It could have been 50-7 to seven at halftime, and they were ranked oh. 20th in the country. I don't and know. That, they, that, 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 that second half against UNC in 2014 was pretty good. No, it was good, but we gave up a lot of points too. <laughs> no. Gave up no. 41. Yep. No, Kyle – Kyle, I wasn't really asking you, which I, you know, I was just making, yeah. But thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, no problem. I'm, okay. I'm, all, no. I'm always here to give my opinion. No, no. That's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. That was fun. Uh, I appreciate well, it. Appreciate you, Coach, as always. All right. See you guys. All right. Have a good night. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Coach Mike Steele, man, <laughs> we need to we need to have this. We'll let him uh, sub. We'll let him sub for us, uh, Kyle, and uh, – have being here whenever we're on vacation or something, we can have Coach Mike still do the show. He would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah uh, next up, good. A, a guy that definitely knows how to uh, host a show, and he can come on our show and host anytime he wants. Our good friend, the play-by-play voice of the Duke Blue Devils, Chris Edwards, is going to be joining us. Um, big win for the Pirates tonight. Uh, didn't see the seventh inning coming. Uh, what a tight game! And then all of a sudden, the Pirates were fortunate to get four runs in the seventh, and that really uh, was the difference in the game. That and the pitching by Colmore and C.J. Mayhew, oh, my goodness. Yeah, the um, you, you kind of watch the whole ball game, and, you, you you know, I was looking forward to come down to the ninth. I, I even had extra yeah. innings in the back of my head. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I thought, you know, I thought, you know, we, we maybe just win a one-run game, but it uh, sure was nice to put it away there in the, uh, in the seventh. And, uh kind of cruise to a victory. No doubt. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's see if uh, we can get Chris here. Chris Edwards joining us now. Hey, Chris, how are you, man? Hey guys, good to be with you. Appreciate you having me on as always. Yeah, thanks for your patience there. We had uh, Coach Mike Steele. And uh, like I was saying, he can have his own show or he can certainly <laughs> sub for us anytime. And you're a guy that can, anytime that you want to uh, come on, and uh, do our show that you're uh, you're a great friend and we appreciate you uh, on each time with the visit. Uh, I I was really impressed with the game and like Kyle and I were talking about it was a real nail biter and that seventh inning I was really shocked uh, 
as you call in the game, you're very close to the Duke program. That that um, Duke is a really good team. Uh, that was a, I guess, a surprise maybe for the seventh inning for the ECU frame. Uh, yeah, a little bit, guys. You know, I think if you look at the way that that inning developed, I mean, you give ECU a lot of credit. Uh, executed a hit and run perfectly. Just a, a couple of balls that found holes. I mean, that's they the, the three run home run there. It's kind of a line drive home run, uh, right fielder almost made a catch. Obviously, the wind was blowing out to right. Then we saw a couple of balls get up in the jet stream there and go out for ECU uh, this evening. Just a really well-played game. I think if you look at the box score, you say, oh, ECU won game. I said, you know, that was a really well-played game. That was a lot closer than the final line score is going to indicate. I think these are two teams that are going to make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Both have legitimate shots, make Super regionals, maybe get to Omaha. Obviously, a lot of things have to go right. But I think if you're Chris Pollard for Duke or Cliff Godwin for ECU, you're really encouraged about the way your clubs have played over the first four games. Yeah, the Blue Devils go down to uh, Conway, uh, play three against the Chanticleers. Uh, Then you have a long bus trip back to Durham. Um, You guys have some travel issues, I believe, and uh, didn't get back to Durham until like four in the morning, something like that. Then had to turn right back around and play East Carolina on a Tuesday. Though I really don't think that affected the game very much. You guys uh, looked like you had plenty of energy. Energy. Now maybe uh, maybe that spoke to some of the uh, problems at the uh, at the plate where you really your bats going. Yeah, I mean could could have, but I think really first and foremost you credit ECU pitching. My gosh, those guys were were great. Obviously, looked like to me looked spivey. Maybe had a blister issue there. Uh, early in the game, thought Colmore c- came in and threw the base, threw the baseball great for the Pirates. And then look, what about the job that Mayhew did out of the bullpen? Well, four and a third, didn't allow a run, struck out six or seven. That guy was lights out. I, mean, I was talking to some folks before the game, really high on that ECU pitching staff. I mean, especially this year, the way the conference is going to shake out in the American having to play four games in a weekend, not yeah. playing any midweeks. You're going to need a bunch of arms. And I think the outing by Mayhew, obviously Colmore's a veteran guy. He's been there since 2016. I think that's going to pay dividends for the Pirates once the league play starts. Yeah, speaking of league play, you guys uh, have a tough start to the season. You play Coastal, you play East Carolina, now you got to jump right into the conference play. Yeah, and against a really good Boston College team, too, guys. I mean, you look at the Eagles, they've got potentially two first-rounders Friday and Saturday. You could make a case that all 14 teams that play baseball in the ACC could make the NCAA tournament. This might be the best team that Mike Gambino's had in five or six years. Remember, BC a few years ago went to a super regional with Miami. It was a Nip Tuck super. I think it could be another super regional type team. They're an older club, especially at the plate. They're old on the mound, as most clubs are, I think, this year. It's just going to be really interesting to see how the ACC shakes out because I don't think there's an off weekend right now in League Play. Yeah, and with the lack, and not just the ACC, other conferences are going to have to deal with it too. But with so many teams Mm -hmm. from the ACC potentially making the regionals, having so many conference games, or a a lack of non-conference games is a better way to put it, how is that going to shake out? You know, you're going to be beating up each other. I think that's going to affect the records. And you're not going to see many ACC schools against out-of-conference competition. How do you think that's going to end up affecting things as we get towards regional time? I mean, how many teams do you think realistically the ACC could have in the NCAA tournament? And again, with so many conference games, how, how do you think that's going to 
are you going to cannibalize yourself? Yeah, you absolutely are. I think that's a really good point. I mean, I think realistically, probably eight or nine teams, maybe, maybe you sneak 10, but probably eight, eight or nine, somewhere in that ballpark, because yeah, everyone is going to beat up on each other. You're right. And I think the lack of non-conference games actually hurts some of the mid-majors more than it hurts the power five, because you don't have a chance to get those signature non-conference wins. I mean, ECU, you guys know, we're not playing in midweek games once conference play starts. Duke's still playing some of those midweek games, but you don't have a chance for maybe a team like a William & Mary, just using this off the top of my head. William & Mary may not be playing very many midweek, so there's an opportunity not to play these ACC schools and get some marquee wins. On the flip side for the ACC schools, you're not playing some of these midweek games, and now not a chance to lose some of those games that could hurt you down the road with some of those RPI teams that may have an high RPI. I think it hurts the mid-majors more, but you're right. I mean, everybody's going to beat up on everybody else. So it's going to be interesting to see what – Got a back connection here. Selection yeah. Yeah. values this year. Are they going to value RPI? Are they going to value road wins or strength of schedule? I think it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, Chris, I was going to bring up the, the very point of the the fact that uh, obviously it's going, it seems like this year it's going to favor this. Yeah, we, we, we got a back connection with Chris here. Chris, you're cutting in and out on us. Yeah, we'll see what we can get there. I was just going to make the point, Kyle, that and uh, we can get Chris back here. But uh, the very fact of the matter, it looks like that with the ACC, SEC, some of the bigger Big 12, as we've had Mike Rennie on from D1 baseball is going to help them, but uh, some of the mid-major teams uh, yeah. is going to be hurting them um, to, for their chances to get in to play in the regional where you, if you have that many teams from the ACC, we know the SEC is very good. We know the Big 12 is very good. They're going to get a good number of teams. Those three leagues well, right I mean, there. But we, we also, we got to use some common sense here and historically know that, that you know, this, this ain't basketball, you know, well, we'll use football as a better example. We, we know that the Coastal Carolina is historically really good. We, we know that East Carolina historically is really good. We know, you yeah. know, Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama, uh, you know, uh, Stetson, et cetera, is really good, whether they're in a Power 5 league or not. So hopefully there's some common sense uh, by the committee come, uh, come June. Yeah, look, guys, I don't think we're going to see all Power 5 teams in the NCAA tournament by any stretch. I think, obviously, you're going to get the automatic qualifiers. I think the big question, too, is what does the committee do with the Big Ten? Uh, because the Big Ten played a conference-only schedule this year, and there's obviously some flux to that, too. I just think there's a lot more questions right now than we have answers. And hopefully by the time we get down toward May and June and get close to selection time, we have some of those answers. Yeah, no doubt. Chris, what about the, the issue with fans? Uh, obviously, not being in attendance are very few in North Carolina. But, uh, Kyle, we've talked uh, on air and obviously we talked a lot off air about COVID and uh, this particular case about herd immunity. My prayer is that for regionals and super regionals and college world series, we'll see a lot more fans than we have right now. Yeah, me too, guys. That's that's my hope. And I mean, hopefully we can get everybody vaccinated and, and by the time we get to a postseason play it would be good to have some fans in the stands yelling and hollering that's what makes college baseball great and i think we're all 
hoping for that. Fingers crossed. And, man, things certainly starting to look like they're turning a corner a little bit. Uh, and I'm excited to, to finally get back to a sense of normal. Tonight felt really good to be back in a ballpark. And I'm hoping for more of that moving forward. Are you guys be, being, you know, there is no fans to speak of. Are you guys playing all your games on campus this year, n- n- none at the uh, DBAP? The DBAP is this weekend. No, actually, right now, yeah, yeah, we're yeah, we're actually everything is on is uh, downtown right now. Yeah. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> Chris. Uh, one question I have: speaking yeah. of uh, downtown and a uh, school, you know very well, being across the way from you, not too far. What was your thoughts as a baseball guy? Just really disappointed to see North Carolina Central cutting uh, baseball. Um, we think I love uh, the fact they're playing at the the old Durham Athletic Park. It's absolutely gorgeous. Those of you that know the movie bull durham that's where i'm talking about that stadium and i grew up there uh in the town and i grew up going to many games there um what are your thoughts on that of losing that program i'm really hurt by it yeah i think we all are i really am Uh, coach Carter does such a great job at nc central and they've gotten better every year they've given duke a game every single season had a really good game with nc state last last year before i think they might have beaten the state i can't exactly remember i know it was like a one-run game but Coach Kerner's done so much for that program. You know, they reeve sensated baseball, what, 10, 15 years ago. My hope and my gut feeling is they'll have baseball back at some point down the road. But I think this just goes to show you the impact that COVID has had on college athletics and their budgets, especially the mid-majors, the HBCUs. And this is just going to further create the divide between the, the group of six, the power five of the group of six, and everybody else, because not everybody can keep up. And it's sad because – it's a great crosstown rival for Duke. It's a great tribute to the old ballpark and the history of baseball in Durham because it's such a rich baseball history, uh, really in the right. state, but in Durham too. And I'm just really sad for all the people involved in the program. Have you heard any uh, – is there any feedback as far as uh, the any of the folks there, their alums that want to keep baseball, or do you think that it's going to be something, like you said, it's going to be like potentially – on the shelf and the best we can hope for is a few years down the road to get it back. Yeah, I think that's probably the best we can hope for right now. I haven't heard anything, and I, but honestly, I haven't done a whole lot of digging either uh, just because things have been so hectic. Right. I, I'm going to try to reach out to some friends that I've got just to see what they're thinking, but I uh, certainly hope that some people will try to save it. You know, that happened with a couple of programs that got cut this past summer where some of the alums rallied to bring the program back. would be great to see that happen again at NC Central. No doubt about it. As far as uh, well, let's talk again about Duke. Uh, we we think a lot of Coach Pollard and yourself. Um, uh, outstanding ball club. One of the one of the issues uh, that people have mentioned is about pitching. What do you think about the pitching for for Duke uh, moving forward and the ACC yeah. schedule? You, you know, it's going to be tough. It's a tough first couple of weeks for the Blue Devils. You look at their. They got Boston College this weekend. Uh, then, then NC State. I mean, NC State obviously really good. So is Boston College. Pitt's competitive. Uh, last I looked, Pitt was winning their game tonight against uh, Jacksonville. So, but to answer your question, certainly there are some key returners for Duke. Josh Nifong, great start for Duke tonight. Cooper Stinson was great for Duke last year in that shortened season. He got overshadowed a lot by Bryce Jarvis because of what Jarvis did with the perfect game and all that other stuff. But you have to remember Stinson. At a .42 ERA, he looked really good in his first outing against Coastal on Saturday. There are some questions at the back end of the bullpen. Some roles aren't yet defined, but uh, Josh Allen, who came in and threw for Duke tonight, the last guy that threw for the Blue Devils, 
seems to me like he's starting to become the closer. Uh, he got three really big outs in a tough spot in his first career appearance in the ninth inning against uh, Coastal in that uh, last game of the series on Sunday. I think Allen's a guy at the back end. Duke's really high on some guys like Billy Seidel and Nick Conti. I think those are going to be guys that will factor. And then you've got some older guys, too, even guys we haven't seen yet. So it's a nice balance. And the question is going to be, uh, how do you decide who you throw in these situations? It's a good problem to have. Uh, but I like the makeup of this Duke club, especially the bullpen. They're old positionally. I think it's a team that's really going to contend in the ACC. And for Duke to be picked fourth in the Coastal, I think shows the depth of the, depth of the league, too. One question I had for you before we let you go. I know you're driving back for, to to the Triangle. Uh, you you had a chance to watch our basketball team with East Carolina with our good friend. We call him Jason Halter, but Jason Halter. Um, what are your thoughts uh, as far as the <laughs> ECU basketball team? A very sad situation now where they've missed a whole bunch of uh, days of practice and uh, will certainly not practice, but as far as five on five and uh, it's going to be about 20 some days since they played a, a basketball game. I just want to get your thoughts before we, you're, you're, uh, you've seen that team, so I wanted to see what you think. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. And, and I was really fortunate to be with Jay and really fortunate to be in Menji's, uh, What a, I guess it was three weeks a month ago now for that win over Houston. Uh, boy, what a fun night. Yeah. And, and I've told you guys this and I've told a lot of people. Um, it was so much fun to be there for that. But it was so sad at the same time because I know how much Menji's live and rocking uh, people were in seats. And, and that was sad. And hopefully you have a shared experience like that again uh, sometime soon. Yeah, it's a really tough situation, and I feel bad for Coach Dooley and the program because there was so much positive that they had going. I mean, they were starting to get things rolling in the right direction again. It played really well after that game against Houston, and now just to have things halted again, it sort of reminds you of things just coming to a close last year a little bit, doesn't it? Like you had all this momentum, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's pulled out from under you again. And the future is still bright for ECU basketball. I really believe that. I think they've got a good core group. Obviously, they can build around Gardner, who's going to be there hopefully for one more year. And some of those other pieces that they've got that's really stepped up. You know, we talked a lot about ECU needing to find a second scorer uh, to supplement what uh, Jaden Gardner's been doing. Guys like J.J. Miles and Tristan Newton have really stepped in and absorbed that. thought the Pirates are playing better defensively. Uh, Luigi DeBoe gave them some solid minutes the last time I saw them against Houston. I'm really encouraged by the upside of this team. Obviously, Coach Dewey's got things going now. And I give them a couple of years, and I, I think the Pirates are really going to contend in the American. That would be – I'll tell you one thing, uh, Kyle, you you follow uh, Pirate sports for a long time like myself. That would be amazing, Chris. It's uh, it's uh, one of those things where it's kind of like the – Kyle is a Cubs fan, and he finally got the World Series ring there a couple years ago. But uh, yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of years that my buddy here – uh, my brother from a different mother was pulling for the Cubs, and uh, we, we love Wrigley Field and all that at WGN. But uh, it's kind of that way for basketball. We just don't – at least uh, the Cubs had some bright spots uh-huh. going to the World Series. Yeah, and, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, the the, the NCAA tournament and uh, – forget winning it. Let's just, let's just say making it seems like a, a, a further away dream than winning the World Series was for the Cubs. That's true. We only have two appearances. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say we only have 72 and 93 are the only times we've made 
appearances in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, but I, I really think that there's a there's a high upside for this basketball team. I mean, the, the win over Houston is going to be huge from a recruiting standpoint. But the fact that ECU has won, won so many of those in-state games, I think back to that game against UNCW, that the Pirates won in overtime back in November, December. Those kind of games are going to be huge for recruiting. You get a chance now with this ESPN contract to play on national TV a lot. You know, all of your games are going to be on TV in some form, some form, whether they're on ESPN Plus or on linear television. That's a big part of the recruiting that people don't talk about. Obviously, having the practice facilities now are big. And Coach Dooley knows how to win. I mean, he knows how to win at ECU. He's got the blueprint. And that's the guy you want at the helm of your ship if you're ECU, I think. No question about it. He's uh, he's one of the best. As we had Mike Steele, the former coach of ECU, said his number one thing that he likes to do is, is recruit for recruiting. That's what he likes to do. So um, we'll let him continue recruiting, and eventually we'll have a basketball game. And, Chris, uh, I know you're driving. That's right. I know you're driving. Appreciate you coming on. How can people listen to the broadcast this coming weekend uh, for the Blue Devils? Yeah, appreciate you asking. I always appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can find us on the TuneIn Radio app. Just search for Duke Baseball. It's probably the easiest way. And then, uh, hey, I'll be back with you guys on TV in Greenville tomorrow. I've got ECU women on their game against Cincinnati. So, like, check us out. Uh, me and Coach Mack, Mac McCarthy. Uh, six o'clock right. tomorrow on ESPN Plus. That'll be a fun one too. So always good to be with you guys, and I appreciate you having me on. We'll definitely tune in, my friend, tomorrow night and uh, the weekend. And uh, please be safe. Love to have you back on soon. Yo, it's Mike Planet. Alex, we'll talk again soon. Always enjoy, friends. All right, take care, Chris. Appreciate you, buddy, very much. Uh, Chris Edwards, play-by-play voice of the Duke Blue Devils, and uh, Kyle. A great night for the Pirates, six to one. I, I'm still. Uh, I know the score that seventh inning, but I'm still – I knew it was going to be a nail-biter. It was, but to have that seventh inning, for, that frame for the Pirates, I was uh, – I, I not that I'm shocked that we won the game. I just thought it would be more like 2-1, 3-1, uh, 6-1 over a, a ranked opponent, in-state rival. Um, definitely a big win for the Pirates and uh, going to be a big test for us to see about coming up this weekend, Georgia Southern on the road. How do we handle uh, going on the road the first road trip of the season for the Pirates? Yeah, it was a great win tonight. Uh, nothing, nothing surprising about it to me. I expected it. Um, I uh, the, the seventh inning though was a lot of fun. It was nice to see us put us put it away um, on the road this weekend. Uh, first road test of the year. Georgia Southern's got a good baseball program. Um, they're in the uh, Sun Belt. Got you know like most teams do. They get everybody back from last year. Uh, yep. Pitching travels when you got pitching. Uh, you can take it on the road. You, you, you're probably going to be pretty solid in midweek. And uh, we got a lot of pitching. So um, I expect us to go down to uh, to Statesboro. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, to get a sweep against a quality opponent on the road. So it would be nice if we can. But uh, you at least want to go down there and take two out of three and uh, keep things rolling and come back home uh, to Greenville with a series win. It is good to hear that we may have Gavin this weekend uh, and uh, Gavin Williams, uh, but certainly we're going to definitely um, need him down the line. So it's great that we have uh, a lot of – we have depth all over the place, but especially pitching, that's what's going to make the difference uh, in May and June, and we'll see how that plays out. Hey, guys, want to remind you that extra innings, we'll have that on Sunday. That's brought to you by Next Level Training Center. 
in Greenville, for those of you that have an eight-year-old or nine-year-old in your family, whether it be a, a son, a grandson, a nephew, whatever the case may be, or maybe the neighbor next door, they're having a really big thing at Next Level, uh, March the 7th. That's Sunday, 1030 to 1. They don't open until 1 o'clock. I signed up my son, Alexander, but it's 1030 to 1. If your son or whoever you are that know that they have an eight-year-old or nine-year-old, they're going to be playing baseball. Um, I highly recommend you to go to this clinic at Next Level Training Center. Of course, we appreciate their sponsorship and the friendship of Trent Brent and company there. They do an excellent job. So call Next Level, sign your kid up. Again, that's for eight-year-olds and nine-year-olds on Sunday, March the 7th. Right before they open up, there's going to be plenty of social distancing and space as they have a huge facility. Uh, it's going to be tremendous. So uh, definitely check that out. want to thank their, again, sponsoring uh, extra innings. And also, we want to give a shout out to pgxgloves.com. Our good friend, Mark Minikazi. Kaz has been really good to us. And I want to thank him. He even sponsored in extra innings. Uh, he has uh, uh, pgxgloves.com has the PGX player of the game. So we have that as well. But the extra innings, again, presented by Next Level Training Center. And we want to thank them for their support of the program. And, of course, pgxgloves.com. They have everything, Kyle. I'll tell you what. Uh, I got uh, two sets of gloves, uh, hitting gloves, batting gloves, I should say, for Alexander. Um, hopefully he can't hear me. Uh, that's for his birthday. Um, but I ordered that over the weekend. Great, great quality stuff. I mean, you can't get it. They've got everything there at pgxgloves.com. And I, I think we're going to get some Kyle Flimber Grange uh, T-shirts there, too. Yeah, those will, uh, those will sell. Breaking news. Those will sell like hotcakes. Uh, yeah, pgxgloves.com. And don't forget to put in promo code ECU and save yourself 25% at checkout, everyone. And thanks to all the listeners and viewers. Uh, Kaz is telling us that there are a lot of people taking advantage of that 25% off. And that's how he knows that they watch or listen to ECU. And uh, hey, uh, I love that. Hashtag Barber 2024 is Kyle is going to. Run for president. Wow, that's breaking right. news here on the sports objective. Wow, all right. So, <laughs> I tell you uh, one thing, I, th those those inaugural right. ball parties will be legendary. They'll you be know epic. what? You know, you know what? <laughs> I, don't get me started, but I can I can probably do a better job than what we've had in there the last now oh, no, and and the, uh, for the last however long. Yeah. yeah, anyway, we're not political on there. I didn't mean it to go political, but uh, anyway, before we get in more trouble, Thanks to Mike Steele. Um, he kept me laughing. I love Chris Edwards. He's been so good to us, just like his broadcast partner, Jay um, Sunhalter. And then, of course, uh, Coach Mack, who's also been on our show tomorrow at 6 o'clock, Lady Pirates. Uh, Kim McNeil's got the ladies playing very well. How about the uh, – and let's brag about the softball team. We're going to try to get Courtney Oliver on, too. They've got a great start so far, Kyle. They've been doing very well. Our teams are just rocking. All of our teams are doing great right now. I'm so excited. It's never been a, a, a better time to be a pirate. And, um, hey, what can I say? It's great when we win. That's that's what it's all about. All right. Uh, for Chris Edwards, Mike Steele, thank you, Bubba Rosenbaum, producing behind the scenes. He's multitasking tonight, and I would appreciate him. Thanks, Kyle, buddy. Appreciate you very much. Cannot wait to one day to go with you to Omaha. Hopefully it'll be this year or uh, sometime soon. But in the meantime, uh, we'll have the games on ESPN Plus and the radio with our good friend, uh, Corey Glore and Coach O. Thanks, guys, very much. Appreciate you. We'll see you on Thursday nights. We'll have uh, legendary announcer Bob Rathburn. We'll have a preview of the Georgia Southern uh, 
games down in Statesboro for the Pirates, the first road trip again for ECU. Until the until next time, I'm Dave Rich. We'll see you next time. Go Pirates. Good night, everybody. Put your crossbones up for your pirates. Ain't no business. Go on out the